Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. You must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Monday, November 28th, 2022, the 677th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month. And in doing so, you will be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't or you simply don't want to, continue listening to the podcast for free on a variety of podcast platforms and, of course, Rumble. All I ask is that you share it with your friends. You can find all of the links, including to the merch site at linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. I hope you all had a lovely, a wonderful Thanksgiving. Maybe you got to enjoy a long weekend with no work. I hope you did. At the very least, I hope you got some good food and were around some people who 
love you and who you love and who hopefully aren't communists. And if that's not an option, well, then I hope you at least made some headway with them. Now, there's certainly plenty going on in the world, and some of that I'm going to get to over the course of this week. But one of the most important things going on in the world is, again, at Twitter. And I know a lot of people are like, I don't even like Twitter. I don't care about Twitter. I don't care what's going on there. And uh, okay, if you want to take that position, you are welcome to do so. But whether or not you like Twitter or care about Twitter, Twitter is an important thing. It is part of how the public understands what's going on in the world. And for the last few years with the level of censorship, it's part of what has caused the public to misunderstand what's going on in the world to the degree that it is. And at this point, it's very, very harmful. But if nothing else, at least it seems to be headed in the right direction under Elon Musk. We discussed last week about how Elon Musk had restored the account of Donald Trump. Even if Trump never uses his Twitter, it's important that the account is there so people can go back and see what Donald Trump was tweeting in important moments like the one surrounding January 6th. Trump's Twitter timeline alone proves the bulk of the mainstream media narrative about the very violent insurrection totally and completely wrong. And it's good regardless of any particular issue that we have that written history of what Donald Trump was thinking and saying while he was officially recognized as the president of the United States of America. So Elon lets Trump on and there is a massive meltdown about Donald Trump being allowed back on the platform. He's so dangerous. He's so racist. He's so anti-gay and anti-Semitic. He's a spreader of dangerous misinformation. It's just not okay to allow Donald Trump to be able to tell America what he thinks, because if he's able to do that, well, America might listen to him. And they might go along with the things Donald Trump is saying, which is very strange since we're told that MAGA is a fringe and extremist movement. It's kind of shocking how something so fringe and extreme can just capture the minds of so many people. I mean, how do they become convinced that what Donald Trump is saying is true? Do they like look into it themselves and find information supporting exactly what Donald Trump is saying and then look into the other side's claims about what Donald Trump is saying that are always ridiculous fact checks or a new definition of racism altogether. What do they do? Think about all this stuff and reach the conclusion that the people who are lying about everything all the time are lying about the things Donald Trump is saying and they think, oh, well, if that's the case, is it possible that what Donald Trump is saying might be true? Yeah, that's it. That's what they're afraid of because it's not a fringe and it's not extreme. And they're worried about what would happen if the general public realizes all of that. And so Donald Trump being back was bad enough. Oh, no. What if they see Donald Trump's posts? Democracy might die. Just immediately. Democracy will be like, oh, oh, not going to do that again. Can't stand any more mean tweets. I've had it. I'm out. Oh, no. Our democracy. So 
Elon Musk had put up the poll about Donald Trump being reinstated. Donald Trump won that poll. And a few days later, Elon put up another poll. I think it was Wednesday afternoon. He put up a poll and offered an amnesty to all of the banned accounts who hadn't broken the law and hadn't made violent threats. And there were a few other caveats there, but it was a general amnesty to all of the people who had been banned from Twitter. Should they get their accounts back? And the results were like 72, 73% of the people who voted saying, yes, of course, give these people their accounts back. And naturally that's very reassuring. So Elon said, sure, that sounds like the right idea. I'm going to do that starting next week. And there's some indication that this might roll out in waves, but it also sounds like virtually everyone is going to get their accounts back within the next five days, 10 days, two weeks. Regardless of the timeline, we are looking at a situation where thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands, potentially upwards of a million accounts are reinstated in the United States. I mean, we think about the big accounts and we think about people's accounts who have much smaller platforms like myself, but are still doing something publicly who get banned for our opinions. But there are a whole lot of Americans who are not trying to have a public platform and they're not reaching thousands of people with what they post online who were still banned simply for saying and sharing the wrong things. Because even those small accounts have power in their ability to amplify the information being put out by other accounts. Those likes, those retweets, those interactions and responses, all of those trigger various aspects of the algorithm and dictate whether certain posts will be boosted. Engagement is one of the key things here, and even small accounts engaging is still a positive when the goal is sharing counter narrative information. So the engagement would be influenced by people flooding back onto that platform, but also the safe space that has existed for so long with the blue check accounts, the legacy media accounts. All the bloggers from various organizations, the feminist bloggers, the tech bloggers, the woke sports writers, the woke entertainment bloggers, all of these people operate in a very safe space. They are happy to repeat the slogans. They're happy to push the narrative of the regime, and they're used to doing it without much pushback. They're able to use their blue check and their sizable following to just shout down anyone who disagrees with them. They'll try to make it seem like you're irrelevant. You're a non-person, a non-entity to them. It doesn't matter that you disagree. It doesn't matter that you're right. You're just a moron and a loser because you're saying the thing that dissents from the regime narrative they're pushing. And when they know that they have the algorithm on their side and the censorship on their side and the regime on their side, and that they're doing all of this with other people who have all those same advantages, that creates a very safe space for them to operate and to spread all of this nonsense. And you can think about how this works. The leftist blue anon blue check 
Twitter people, the very serious intellectuals, everyone supporting the regime. They can all talk about how Joe Biden is a great president. And then all the sold out conservative incorporated people and the GOP establishment and elite, they can argue just a little bit about the points that the blue anons and the more open communists are making. And between the two, they can set the edges of the debate on the left and the right, and they can control what gets in and what stays out. They can participate in their little dance, pretending that they actually all disagree. But when it comes down to anything that actually matters, they agree. Lockdowns, they agreed. Masks, they agreed that there was absolutely no problem whatsoever with the universal mail-in balloting, election laws being changed because of the very deadly pandemic. They believe there was nothing wrong with the election, that the January 6th protesters were there to stage a violent insurrection against the United States and tear down our democracy. You can think about Fox News and Daily Wire or the National Review on one side of things and CNN and Vox and Huffington Post and MSNBC and the rest of them, the New York Times, the Washington Post, on the other side. And all of the conversation happens within that space. And the right will call the left woke and stupid and clueless. And the left will call the right racist and sexist and homophobic and theocratic. And then both of those sides spend virtually all of their time arguing that they're not really all the bad things that they're being called. And really, their side is very intelligent and has a very rich tradition in holding up these very same viewpoints. But there's no representation for the counter narrative. And we can focus just on election fraud and the cover up of the stolen 2020 election. That whole process had participation from right and left. Even at this late point, we're now almost two years and one month from the stolen election of 2020. And the furthest we've gotten from conservative incorporated in terms of talking about problems for that election is admitting that the Hunter Biden laptop was real. So at the very least, the censorship of the Hunter Biden laptop and the lies and the misinformation about the reality of the Hunter Biden laptop in some way rigged the election. Some of them even go so far as to say, well, it was stolen, but it was stolen legally. Well, that's not something that can happen. First of all, it was not stolen legally. They changed laws outside the bounds of the Constitution, outside the bounds of their own state constitutions, and they weren't held accountable for it because courts and the legal system are infiltrated as well. The fact that people haven't been held accountable and that no one's been punished for the crime doesn't say anything about the reality of the underlying crime. The reality of the underlying crime is there, but it's not talked about in mainstream media, which means it's not allowed to be talked about on Twitter. And even the people on Twitter who know that the election in 2020 was stolen largely silenced themselves so that they could maintain their platform on Twitter. Now, I've discussed the morality and the strategy 
of that many times. It's a failure on both levels. No, it turns out your platform was not so very important because you actually didn't wake anybody up to the most important realities. You just kept them inside that informational bubble on those platforms. That's counterproductive. And we can see with this stage of the awakening that it has been counterproductive. Now, the awakening is happening just the same. It's happening mostly outside of Twitter up till this point. But we could be a whole lot farther along if Twitter was not censored and if people who knew the truth hadn't censored themselves out of fear. They didn't want to be called conspiracy theorists. They didn't want to be called QAnon. They didn't want to be called crazy people. So for the most part, 99% of them just refused to actually push the true counter narrative. They accepted the terms of the debate on Twitter just as they accepted. Well, yeah, you know, work says I have to get the vaccine, so I guess I have to get it. And hey, everybody is free to choose their own priorities. But you can't come back and say, I had no choice. You did have a choice. Could have given up your job. It's not fun. It's not pleasant. Might throw your life into complete disarray. But the vaccine might kill you. And just the same. If you want to be outspoken about election fraud in 2020, you might have gotten taken off Twitter. But that risk was worth it. That's the point. Oh, you're not going to have your Twitter profile anymore. Well, I guess your life is going to be thrown into disarray. The world is going to end. What will you be without your platform? Well, what are you now after two years? Once people start to realize that you knew the truth the entire time and went along with the lie anyway, how valuable will your platform be at that point? But the point is that the dissent, the true counter narrative didn't really appear on Twitter. So no one really knows it. No one knows the depth of it or the detail of it. People on Twitter don't understand that there are people in the world who do understand election fraud and how it happened and what it means and what potential remedies might be. And no, one of them is not to create a ballot harvesting system even better than the Democrats. So why is all of Conservative Incorporated saying that? Well, because that accepts the notion that the votes were properly counted and that there can be the possibility for legitimate competition with this current election apparatus. That's not true. And we'll get into some election stuff later. But the important thing is now that if Elon follows through with this Twitter amnesty and all of these accounts flood back on after spending the last two, two and a half years, maybe longer on Gab and Telegram and Getter and Truth Social and other alternative platforms, understanding all of this stuff, if they now go and re-centralize on Twitter and actually use the power of that amplification of the true counter narrative, we are looking at the potential for massive systemic change along a very short timeline. The return of true free speech on that platform and potentially other legacy platforms eventually, that's going to be a sea change. This is, to me, potentially one of the most important advances in human history. 
This has the potential to trigger a mass global awakening on a scale and at a speed that we have not seen before. I mean, we are in a period where that is happening gradually day by day, but this Twitter thing, this potential amnesty, if I'm understanding this correctly, well, that could be Twitter's version of Operation Warp Speed. But however this goes down and however long it takes for people's accounts to get restored and whether or not we have to argue about people like Alex Jones being put back on the platform, I'm sure that argument will come. I'm of the position that everyone should be put back on unless they've broken the law in some way or shared illegal material. But however that happens, when this does happen, it's going to puncture that informational bubble on Twitter. They're no longer going to be able to avoid the true counter narrative and continue pretending that the real conversation is somewhere in the middle between Fox News and MSNBC. Fox News and MSNBC are, for all intents and purposes, the exact same thing. They're telling the same central narrative and they're marketing that central narrative in different ways to different groups of people. It's like when they show the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl game is the same game for everybody, but some people tune in for the halftime show. Some people tune in to watch the commercials. Some people tune in because their favorite team is playing. Some people tune in just because they bet on the game. And so while the game is the same for everyone, the way they broadcast and they sell the Super Bowl as an event is designed to have different things for different people based on what their interests are. MSNBC and Fox News might have argued about masks, but still agreed that they were probably just a good thing. Same thing with the vaccines. Same thing with the insurrection. Same thing with the stolen election. Same thing with the war in Ukraine. Both sides agreed that it was absolutely necessary to stop Vladimir Putin's illegal invasion of a sovereign country. We have to protect the borders of these innocent people. And the comedic actor is a very fine president and leader. Oh, his military capabilities are far beyond what we could have ever imagined. Both networks participated, different messaging, same story. And that's what's now being threatened. Before, these people only had to confront the argument as it existed within that controlled space, within the safe space for their opinions. And that, it seems, is ending. Now they're actually going to have to confront reality. And the reality is there's not some small fringe, some extreme element of the culture that disagrees with them. The majority of the culture disagrees with these people. They can see through the central narrative. They know it's wrong and they don't all have to follow it like we do to understand that. All they have to know is that the people who lie to them all the time are lying to them again. They know they've been gaslit by the media. They know who gaslights them and they just don't think there's any other option. So they try to find the people they like best among the gaslighters, and they just stick with that. They know how these people have gaslit them, 
and they're happy to just accept it again because it doesn't seem like there's anything else and we have to take the best of the two terrible options. Not only does that skew people's understanding of what our society actually thinks and what the underlying reality actually is, it also protects all the people in the mainstream from never having to answer questions, from never having to look clueless because they never embrace the empirical observable reality as it exists. They're able to avoid it altogether. At least they were on Twitter. And because they're never actually confronted with the information and the arguments that can make them look as clueless and dishonest and malicious as they are, they've been allowed to operate freely for a very long time. That time may now be at an end. I was discussing a couple of months back Sam Harris's appearance on a very stupid podcast called Trigonometry, where everyone on Twitter thinks that these are the two smartest, most reasonable podcast hosts that have ever existed, but they didn't have a whole lot of pushback to Sam Harris promoting how good it was that there was an actual conspiracy to make sure that Trump couldn't be president again in 2020. He said he didn't care what was on the Biden laptop. He didn't care if Hunter Biden had pictures of dead children in a basement. The only thing that mattered was that the conspiracy to keep Trump out of office would be successful. That was the most important thing in the entire world, according to Sam Harris. Well, Sam Harris, upon hearing that Elon would be giving amnesty to all of these people, and now with Trump back as well, he deleted his Twitter. He's heading for the hills because Sam Harris's ideas no longer make any sense in an actual free marketplace of ideas. And it's funny because he has talked for so long about how important that is. That was part of the intellectual dark webs whole thing. They were the people who were going to defend liberty. They were the people who were going to defend free speech. They were going to take their anti-woke positions. Oh, it's so important. Wokeness is the only thing that matters. No, Wokeness is a symptom of the problem, and there are much more important symptoms to be focused on than wokeness. One side saying you're racist and transphobic, and the other side saying, no, we're not, you're Marxists, is just not enough, particularly when those two sides agree that on every truly important issue, they're going to unite and the whole public will unite behind them. They'll all agree that the central narrative is true and they'll work within that. Sam Harris can't survive outside that and he knows that, which is why he's ditched the conversation altogether. And it was reported that he did that because Trump might come back, but the timing suggests he did it because he's too concerned about this amnesty, about the potential return of free speech. And that concern was shared more broadly than just some angry and delusional globalist podcaster like Sam Harris, who has gladly platformed the likes of Michael Hayden and Yuval Noah Harari, Sam Bankman Freed, and countless other corrupt globalists and technocratic transhuman communists. 
and the corrupt public faces of international money laundering. In fact, the nasty little demon Taylor Lorenz wrote up a big piece for the Washington Post. It's called Opening the Gates of Hell. Musk says he will revive banned accounts. Elon Musk plans to reinstate all previously banned Twitter accounts to the alarm of activists and online trust and safety experts. Now, this term got a lot of attention after she published this article last Thursday. People said, what in the world are online trust and safety experts? And it's a good question because it's not a real thing. These are just people in the formalized online censorship community. Online trust and safety is not some objective subject that just presents itself in the world like math or geology. And yes, I absolutely know that they have tried to wokeify math and geology. But online trust and safety is just a euphemism for censorship. So online trust and safety experts are the people who have trained and practiced online censorship. All of them, by definition, are pro-censorship. So turning to them for their pro-censorship views and promoting those views because the people holding those views are somehow referred to as experts makes no sense. After posting a Twitter poll asking, should Twitter offer a general amnesty to suspended accounts, provided that they have not broken the law or engaged in egregious spam, in which 72.4% of the respondents voted yes, Musk declared amnesty begins next week. The Twitter CEO did not respond Thursday to a request for comment from the Washington Post. The poll garnered more than 3 million votes. Now, it's pretty funny that they say he didn't respond to a request for comment. First of all, Elon Musk doesn't need the Washington Post to get his message out there. Elon Musk has basically assumed the same status on Twitter that Donald Trump had before getting kicked off. He has the power to immediately shift the public conversation in whatever direction he wishes. He can simply tweet out his response. He doesn't need to talk to the Washington Post. He doesn't need to take Taylor Lorenz's phone calls and emails. And she knows that. And pretty much everybody else knows that. So why bother writing that in this column? Oh, it's to make it seem like she attempted to present both sides. The mass return of users who had been banned for such offenses as violent threats, harassment and misinformation will have a significant impact on the platform, experts said. And many questioned how such a resurrection would be handled, given that it's unclear what Musk means by egregious spam and the difficulty of separating out users who have broken the law, which vary widely by jurisdiction and country. Oh, yes, it'll be so hard. What a precarious situation he's getting into, thinking that just everybody can have free speech. When the whole point is that you need to review everything carefully and decide who gets free speech. You also have to love how she just lumps violent threats in with harassment and then in with misinformation. Violent threats have a legal definition. 
harassment, according to these people, is always whatever they make up. Like if we were all to go on Ibram X. Kendi's page and point out, hey, bro, anti-racism is just racism that you're pretending is good. If we all did that, people like Taylor Lorenz would call that harassment. If we all did it on the same day, she would call it a coordinated harassment campaign. And that is one of the ways they used to go about censoring a lot of people. In terms of misinformation, it's probably not even worth talking about. Think of all the scientifically true things that we have said over the last three years that were immediately tagged and censored as misinformation and are now just understood by everyone to be true, including by the science and by the CDC. And of course, this is a rhetorical tactic, making all of these things seem like they're the same. Is making direct threats of violence online in any way the same as posting the true claim that masks don't work to stop the spread of an aerosolized virus? And the answer is, of course not. So why is Taylor Lorenz presenting them as if they are? And by the way, Taylor Lorenz, how are you going to make this argument when the regime that you were in full support of on Twitter was allowing child sexual abuse material on the platform and allowing unrestricted pornography on the platform? How does that happen in the first place? But how do you then pretend to claim the moral high ground? particularly when it comes to something as irrelevant and totally subjective as misinformation. Apple and Google need to seriously start exploring booting Twitter off the App Store, said Alejandra Caraballo, clinical instructor at Harvard Law's Cyber Law Clinic. What Musk is doing is existentially dangerous for various marginalized communities. It's like opening the gates of hell in terms of the havoc it will cause. People who engage in direct targeted harassment can come back and engage in doxing, targeted harassment, vicious bullying, calls for violence, celebration of violence. I can't even begin to state how dangerous this will be. And of course, she can't begin to state it because it's imaginary. It's also worth mentioning that if you get ultra offended online, maybe online isn't the place for you. It's just strange that the people who have argued in favor of cancel culture for years are pretending that they're the ones who would be the victims of online bullying campaigns while they literally promote the censorship of a huge portion of American citizens and the bulk of the true content that can shift the public conversation. And as for opening the gates of hell, well, wonderful. Go ahead, Elon, so we can throw Taylor Lorenz and Alejandra Caraballo inside and then shut the door again. This is the second time in a week that Musk has used a Twitter poll to seemingly make a major decision related to the platform. On November 18th, he restored former President Donald Trump's account after 52% of a poll's respondents said he should do so. Vox Populi, Vox Dei, Musk tweeted, Latin for the voice of the people is the voice of God. 
Now, is Musk doing these things because Twitter polls tell him to do them? Almost definitely not. He has basically made decisions and has then allowed the public to voice their opinion and their position. And it turns out that that's the same as his position. We don't have to pretend he's just going on the basis of Twitter polls. On that day, he also unilaterally reinstated at least 11 high profile, far right Twitter accounts, including Jordan Peterson, a professor who was banned from Twitter for misgendering a trans person and the Babylon Bee, a conservative media company. Now, hold on a second. Jordan Peterson is absolutely not far right. He's only associated with the right in any way at all because he works for the Daily Wire and the Daily Wire is not far right. The Daily Wire is basically just Fox News. And as for misgendering a trans person, just last week on mainstream media airwaves and on Twitter, the conversation was about whether or not the non-binary shooter at the Colorado gay club was actually non-binary. People were misgendering that man in the mainstream. Does Taylor Lorenz think all of those people should be banned from Twitter as well? Probably not. He also restored Project Veritas, a site that was frequently accused of misrepresenting events it commented on and banned, quote, for repeated violations of Twitter's private information policy. Well, again, Taylor Lorenz is using very careful language here. They were frequently accused of misrepresenting events. What they did was put out video footage of the actual event as it happened, which for people like Taylor Lorenz is a misrepresentation because it shows that Taylor Lorenz's allies are actually bad when Taylor Lorenz wants everyone to understand that her allies are actually good. You see, if you come away believing that Taylor Lorenz's allies are bad, well, then something's been misrepresented to you. And Georgia Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene's personal account, oh no, which had been banned since January for violating the platform's COVID-19 misinformation policies and pushing violent and extreme rhetoric. Violent and extreme rhetoric. And COVID misinformation, which of course was probably just true information about COVID that was unfortunate to Taylor Lorenz and her allies. Green posted a photo Thursday showing herself and other right-wing figures who have had their accounts recently reinstated at a dinner table with Musk. Happy Thanksgiving, she wrote. Oh, my Lord, how could she? That is going to cause real-world violence, I guess. Experts say that bots and bad actors can easily skew the results of a Twitter poll, and so basing decisions on one is irresponsible. Again, there's almost no chance in the world that Elon bases decisions on those polls. But the other part of this that's important to understand is that bots and bad actors skewing the polls were doing so on their account, not on Elon Musk's, not on Donald Trump's, not on the account of people wanting amnesty to remove censorship and restore free speech. This stuff is nuts. And it's especially absurd when you understand 
how much bots have contributed to what I was talking about before the confining of conversation within this small censored bubble. Think about how much the bots helped them promote their narrative, how much bots helped them feel like they were in that safe space. Elon's just basically getting rid of all those bots and replacing them with actual humans. That's what these people are scared of. A Twitter poll can be manipulated. There's nothing scientific or rigorous in any way about what he's doing, said Sarah T. Roberts, an associate professor at UCLA and faculty director for UCLA's Center for Critical Internet Inquiry, who previously worked at Twitter researching content moderation processes or, as you might know her, an online trust and safety expert. But of course, Twitter polls are not scientific. No one is claiming that they are. Again, it's highly unlikely that Elon Musk's actions are in response to the polls he's put up, but it also doesn't matter because it's his company and he can just do it. And these people actually have no say in it. That's why they're trying to get Twitter removed from the app stores as Yoel Roth, who has recently been removed from Twitter's online trust and safety. He was the head of trust and safety. He thinks Twitter should be removed from the app stores too. Now that's the big push. Before Elon took over, Roberts added, there were entire teams of people who did market and user research, who followed rigorous protocols established to conduct this kind of research. Suddenly, he's running Twitter off of completely unscientific polls that are polling unknown people, and certainly not any kind of demographically representative swath of people. What? What demographic is supposed to be represented in these decisions? It's not an election. It's not like only American citizens can vote. Oh, but wait, you guys don't think that should be in elections either. So what do you care about demographic representations? Oh, I get it. You're just trying to make it sound like this is racist or something. Many predict the restoration of banned accounts will help bring on the free-for-all hellscape that Musk had promised advertisers would not come to pass shortly after he took possession of the platform. Well, why does Musk have to please advertisers now as people like Taylor Lorenz are convincing them all to pull their money in advertising out of Twitter? I guess if the advertisers are going to leave anyway, then Musk doesn't have to worry about the needs of advertisers, does he? This would be a major disaster, especially in Africa where state-sponsored ghost accounts were suspended for endangering human rights activists and journalists. Oh, human rights activists and journalists. Well, who was paying those organizations? Hopewell Chinono, a journalist in Africa, tweeted, You would have allowed vile people to put our lives in danger as journalists. You will have blood on your hands, Elon Musk. But don't worry, there's certainly no blood on anyone's hands for censoring the millions of Americans trying to warn their fellow citizens that masks don't work and lockdowns have a big downside and the election was stolen. And hey, that very violent insurrection isn't exactly how it happened on TV. And hey, those vaccines aren't very safe and aren't very effective. Those things all have a real human cost, too. Hopewell Chinono. Whether Musk can do what the Twitter poll seeks is a matter of debate. 
He has laid off leaders of the trust and safety team, which would normally handle the logistics of reactivating the accounts. And separating out those who broke the law is entirely dependent on whether Twitter has detailed documentation for each suspension. Well, I mean, shouldn't they? If they were going to deprive people of the right to participate in the digital public square, shouldn't they have reason? If they were taken off the platform for violating the law, shouldn't they have recorded that? I mean, they couldn't have just been making up their reasons the whole time. Could they have been? Without such a legal filter, which would be dependent on state and local laws for each tweet, every account would require a thorough review, given how laws vary widely by country and region. Nope. No, they wouldn't. If those countries have the ability to enforce those laws in terms of social media, then they should absolutely go ahead and try to do it. And if they can't do it, well, maybe those aren't real laws. Madeline Burkholder, a senior technical solutions engineer who has worked on consumer products managing spam, said Musk's ask is nonsensical. Egregious spamming is not a technical term, she said, and most record keeping at major tech companies doesn't include questions of local and governmental legal codes. The norm is to simply note whether an account violated a company's terms of service, which are rules set by the platform, not a government entity. Oh, whoops. So I guess we're not going to get the thing you want again. Sorry, commies. It gets really hairy to pull these threads apart and figure out what the exact behavior was that led to their suspension, Burkholder said. Was it an innocent mistake? Was it malicious? How malicious was it? Doing that on a single case is challenging. Trying to do it for every account ever, you're guaranteed to make mistakes. Huh? Oh, no. You're just going to let everybody back on whether they really did violate the rules or not. Well, what happens if they just get to be on there and they don't violate the rules again? They just they just get to stay on there and not be permanently banned forever because they violated some subjective and made up rule three years ago. Oh, well, this is an injustice. Angelo Carasoni, chairman and president of Media Matters a nonprofit advocacy group and media watchdog said that Musk's decision could mean bringing back networks of individuals that include the American Nazi party and a whole bunch of 8chan, 4chan conspiracy theorists who engage in harassment and abuse. 8chan and 4chan are two message boards known for their racist and anti-Semitic posts. Oh yeah, that's what they're known for. Sure, Taylor. And the American Nazi party, who is buying that from the same people who are literally supporting actual Nazis in Ukraine right now? Reversing the suspensions would mean turning Twitter into a one-stop shop for operationalizing doxing and harassment and an engine of radicalization, Carasoni said. It's a red pill Pez dispenser. Oh, well, thanks for recognizing that. It is going to be a red pill Pez dispenser. And then once everybody is red pilled, they'll all just stare at reality and be like, oh, how do we let things get this far? We really need to start reversing all of this as fast as possible. Maybe I should get involved and do my part. It's horrifying. And as for engines of radicalization, how did you guys create Antifa? I mean, Media Matters is funded by George Soros and other 
affiliated globalists, and so is Antifa. And they are 100% a domestic terrorist organization. Why isn't Angelo Carasoni worried about them? And quitting Twitter won't keep you safe. Even if you're not on Twitter, you can still be the recipient of these campaigns, he said. He predicted that public health officials, election officials, journalists, and teachers will all be targeted. How are they going to be targeted if they're not on Twitter? Oh, they're going to be targeted in real life, you mean? So people on Twitter will collectively learn what they have done, and then they will go to their city council meetings and their school board meetings, and they might actually express their discontent with the level of corruption and dishonesty and manipulation these people, these infiltrators are enacting across societies? Or is it just that if people know what they've done, they won't go out and vote for them anymore? And they might actually keep their eyes on the election results of all these people. And they might see, oh, hey, no one anywhere wanted this school board member reelected. How did that happen? And then they might look into how it happened, and that could be trouble. Is that the kind of real-world impact he's worried about? Conducting major moderation and enforcement decisions on a whim is troubling CEO behavior, said Nora Benavidez, senior counsel and director of digital justice and civil rights at Free Press, a nonprofit advocacy group. Musk, under the auspices of democracy, is legitimizing decisions that will have deeply dangerous consequences in the real world. Cry more, communist. And while we're at it, let's see where this online trust and safety expert is actually from. What exactly is free press? Who funds this left-wing advocacy group? Well, here's the list according to influencewatch.org, Carnegie Corporation of New York, Center for American Progress, Community Foundation of New Jersey, Craigslist Charitable Fund, Democracy Fund, Democracy Fund Voice, Ford Foundation, Foundation to Promote Open Society. Oh, oh, that's George Soros again. The Joyce Foundation, the MacArthur Foundation, the Open Society Institute, Soros once again, Pew Charitable Trusts, Rockefeller Brothers Fund, Rockefeller Philanthropy Advisors, San Francisco Foundation, Schumann Center for Media and Democracy, Schwab Charitable Fund, Tides Foundation, and Working Access. Taylor Lorenz's group of online trust and safety experts are really just representatives of a multitude of little globalist cutout organizations. All she's reporting is that global communists are very upset and panicking, and she's trying to convince the public that this is a very dangerous problem, very dangerous for them and all of their interests, all of those people out there they are trying to protect like the marginalized. And for some reason, public health officials. Now, of course, the marginalized, she's protecting them from racism and homophobia and transphobia. She's protecting the public health officials from criticism, which makes you think, hey, is racism and homophobia and transphobia, are those just clever, emotionally driven ways to say that it's not okay to criticize people? If they fit those categories, Benavidez 
said that organizations, including Free Press, have spent years educating tech giants on complex trust and safety issues and pressuring them to understand the really delicate and complex role they play in mitigating harm caused to real people. If general amnesty is granted for the majority of suspended accounts, it will be open season for people suspended for hate, harassment, disinformation, conspiracies and extremism. Benavides said it's open season in the most dangerous ways. Hey, Miss Benavides, it's also open season for using the block and mute and unfollow buttons. Go ahead and try it. You have journalists, activists in the authoritarian regimes in Africa, the Middle East and Asia who are now even at the mercy of even more vicious trolls with no ability to fight back. Caraballo said it's literally life or death for people. Except it's not that. It's not literally that at all. And journalists and activists don't get to exist in some free space where people online aren't allowed to disagree with them. It is, however, literally censorship, which is not only a crime against humanity and human rights, it's also in direct violation of our country's founding principles. The lifting of the suspensions was especially troubling to LGBTQ activists coming just days after a mass killing at the Club Q in Colorado Springs killed five and wounded 18. So the mass killing killed five. Got it. Okay. Great writing, Taylor Lorenz. Hey, why don't you mention that the shooter was non-binary? Several of the restored accounts had previously been suspended for hateful rhetoric toward the gay and trans community. And Musk has been criticized for replying to Tim Pool, a right wing YouTube star who falsely claimed the club had hosted a grooming event and other anti LGBTQ accounts. In fact, the club did do that. They do host family friendly drag queen shows. That's the grooming event he's discussing. It's a slap in the face to LGBTQ people, Carabayo said. And no, no, it's not. It's just the removal of censorship. You are free to take it in whatever way you want. It's a slap in the face of all of humanity to censor in the first place. But conservatives have largely embraced Musk and his decision making. He frequently engages with far right influencers such as Andy No and Ian Miles Chong on Twitter and has said that the company has propagated far left San Francisco slash Berkeley views in reality. Twitter's algorithms amplify conservative content more than that of the political left. The company's own research found last year and in 2020, right-leaning voices far outweighed liberals in driving conversations on influential topics leading up to the election. Analysis by Politico and the Institute for Strategic Dialogue showed. And you got to believe those studies. They have studies. Studies are always right. Once you cite a study, your position becomes true automatically. But hey, here's the thing. None of those people are remotely far right. Tim Poole is a cuck. Andy No and Ian Miles Chong say some smart things sometimes, but they're trapped in that little bubble too. None of those people, aside from Andy No, is really creating the counter narrative. Andy No does good work on following leftist extremists, but that doesn't make him far right. Also, the phenomenon confusing these online trust and safety experts is that the truth actually does spread 
farther and faster than the propaganda media narrative. Now, that's the whole thing they're trying to avoid. Twitter doesn't amplify conservative accounts. And if it does at all, it's conservative accounts inside that bubble. The platforms are always going to skew to spreading truth more than the fiction. So if the conservative accounts are getting closer to the underlying truth, then they'll be amplified naturally a lot more. As Musk teases his reinstatement plan, trolls have become emboldened. Oh no, trolls, another subjective term. Hey, Taylor Lorenz, what's a troll? Because to you, I'm a troll. That's why I am blocked by you and somehow also blocked by whatever her name Carabayo is, who had me blocked before I had any idea of who she was. But you see, to me, Brooklyn Dad Defiant is a troll and he's paid to do that. And Ron Filipkowski with his little Ukraine flag emoji, that's a troll and he's probably paid to do it too. Those people have been emboldened for a very long time. Far-right users of the message board 4chan celebrated the amnesty announcement after encouraging members of the board community to vote in Musk's poll. On one thread rife with slurs, 4chan users who said they were previously banned for telling vaccinated people to kill themselves and making racist, anti-Semitic, misogynistic, and anti-LGBTQ comments expressed excitement over the possibility of being reinstated. Oh, all the no-no people, however you can possibly define them, are excited about not being censored anymore? How could they? Don't they know it's their presence that is so dangerous? They should be telling themselves to kill themselves, according to Taylor Lorenz. And by the way, telling vaccinated people to kill themselves is kind of redundant. And of course, good luck to any of you who are vaccinated. I hope you take care of your immune systems as best you can. But we don't have to beat around the bush here. The users discussed resuming the activities that had gotten them banned. In some cases, users said they had between 12 and 17 accounts removed for violating community guidelines. Super spreaders of hate, abuse, and harassment will be the only people to benefit from this latest decision by Twitter, said Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of the Center for Countering Digital Hate, a nonprofit focused on online hate and misinformation. And of course, you're welcome to see who they're affiliated with by going to Influence Watch. Dot org and typing in Center for Countering Digital Hate, and you will find left-wing organizations and the British government. The choice for advertisers has never been starker, he said. Stick around and back Elon Musk or protect their brands and ensure their marketing dollars aren't being used to enable the spread of hate, abuse, and disinformation. Oh, yes, so noble. In the days after he took over Twitter, Musk initially promised not to change the site's moderation policies and restore accounts until after he'd appointed a moderation council. But more recently, Musk has backtracked on naming such a council and has laid off hundreds of Twitter employees whose job it was to police posts on the site. Dozens of Twitter's advertisers have paused spending with the platform in the wake of Musk's takeover, concerned about how his approach to content moderation might affect the site's tone. And so there it is, the case against amnesty, the case 
for censorship. Too many views are just too dangerous to the regime. And because the regime will never admit that it is the regime itself in danger and the representatives of the regime will never admit that it is their reputation and their safe space that's in danger. Instead, they're going to say that there are these various classes of victims that are definitely going to be harmed by the return of free speech, except that's not true. And it wasn't true in the beginning. People don't spend their days finding these small accounts of gays or transgenders or black people to just go be racist to. They claim that these sites like Gab or 8chan or 4chan or the alternative social media platforms are these hotbeds of hate because of their anonymous users. But then they blame anonymous users for all of the hate that they're citing without knowing who those users are. Those users could easily be leftist activists. They could be Twitter communists themselves who need a reason to censor certain people and certain things. And so they create that reason for themselves. They could be feds and they're never able to drive any of those ideas home, which is why they will occasionally use the false flag shootings that we regularly see now to encourage more censorship in various places on various platforms. Their entire narratives are falling apart, and that's why they want the Apple store and the Google store to take action and make it so that Twitter can't be downloaded from their app store. Of course, people will be able to access Twitter just fine from their phones still. It'll just make it more inconvenient, and some users might simply not bother. That seems like a win for them now. And Elon Musk has actually been responding to this possibility. He was asked if the Apple and Google stores eliminate Twitter, will he just create a new phone and a new app store? And he said, yeah, if there's no other option, I will have to go and make an alternative phone. And it turns out he's been planning to do that already. As they get closer and closer to taking this action, which by the way, might be triggered by Elon's amnesty. He's kept goading them into doing it. Elon's even reposting memes with Pepe the Frog. Very dangerous. And talking about psyops, no less. And why now? What is so dangerous that they need this censorship in place for? What is it they don't want the public to know? Is it about protests and or riots in China? No, they seem okay with the public knowing about that at least a little bit. Is it about those protests in Brazil that they've been hiding? Could it be about that? Could it be about tens of millions of Brazilian citizens in the streets demanding that their elections reflect the will of the people? Could it be the fact that the Brazilian military seems like they might be siding with the people and with Bolsonaro? can't be that. And it definitely can't be anything that's going on in American elections. Because as we all know, American elections are the safest and most secure of anywhere in the world. And that's why they take sometimes three or four weeks to get an answer that is derived from the machines and that they refuse at all costs to ever prove. But they're having hearings in Maricopa County today because Arizona is supposed to be certifying their elections. Now, it doesn't seem like Cochise County is going to do that due to all the problems they're having. 
And there's some indication that Luzerne County in Pennsylvania might do the same exact thing. But there was a hearing in Maricopa County this morning, and it's been a bit spicy. This is County Recorder Stephen Richer, who himself, with Board of Supervisors member Bill Gates, chairman of the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors, formed a pack to oppose Carrie Lake and to oppose anyone who was questioning elections there, which, to be honest, kind of just sounds like a payoff. Now, what is Stephen Richer worrying about? Let's find out. But these conversations need to focus on real issues. We can spend the next two years as we've spent the last two fighting over conspiracy theories promoted on social media by people who know nothing about. Okay. All right. We again, I've I've asked you before, please do not boo. Do not cheer. Let's let recorder Richard speak. We can. Okay. Again, again. Again, again, everyone, every we we need to stop, please. Everyone has the opportunity to say what they want to. We're not going to stop, folks, when you have your two minutes, as long as we don't get into profanity, which I do not anticipate. Let's please be respectful. The world is watching. Let's show people. Yeah, we're again, we're getting very close to I'm getting very close to calling a recess here. And I don't and I and I don't want to do that. All right. So, again, Please, please stop. We want to give everyone the opportunity to speak. Recorder Richer. So Stephen Richard just called the citizens of Maricopa County conspiracy theorists as they sit in the room because they had the audacity to demand that public officials do their job according to the law and work to guarantee a free and fair election, which they have not done in multiple election cycles now. And the citizens aren't having it. Have a listen to this. My name is Kathy Roscoe. I live in Maricopa County. I came here today to get an up-close and personal look at the seven traitors to the United States Constitution. Hey, again, please. sitting at that desk. You were set to receive a subpoena this morning at 930. What did you do? You called your meeting for 8 a.m. What are you hiding? I will not repeat your election crimes. I will just say not certifying the machines constitutes a form of interference. And in case no one has enlightened you people, interference in an election in the United States of America, Mr. Gates, is a capital offense, it's considered treason, punishable by the death penalty. So it's obvious why you, Hobbs, and Deep State Ducey are desperate to keep your cronies in office. Our country indeed has a pandemic of suspect illegally elected officials and their self-appointed bureaucrats who think they do not have to do their jobs, yet stay on the government payroll. You are openly and arrogantly violating your oath of office. We want a new 2022 state election not run by the people at this desk or Katie Hobbs. 75% of the citizens 
who went to vote stated that they were downright angry about the trajectory of the country, yet the foreign-owned mainstream media claims that we are evenly divided. That gives you plenty of cover to go in a back room and print as many ballots as you need to CYA. I will just say this. The voting booth is supposed to be your time is a up. time for a peaceful revolution. Those who make your, your peaceful revolution impossible make violent revolution necessary. Your, your time is up. And, and again, uh, I just want to clarify it. You got to love the people of Maricopa County and you got to love the fact that they're not backing down. And I want to just share one more. And to be clear, since you don't have the video, initially the woman is holding up a phone to play audio off her phone into the hearing. What I'm going to be playing here is before I judge. Can you please speak into the microphone so the audience can hear your testimony? I'm a computer programmer. Mr. Curtis, are there programs that can be used to secretly fix elections? Yes. How do you know that to be the case? Because in October of 2000, I wrote a prototype for President Congressman Tom Feeney at the company I worked for in Oviedo, Florida, that did just that. And when you say did, did just that, it would rig an election? It would flip the vote 5149 to whoever you wanted it to go to and whichever race you wanted to win. And would that program that you designed be something that elections officials that might be on county boards of elections could detect? They'd never see it. Mr. Would you answer that question once again? They would never see it. So I'm giving you that as a testimony before a judge. That is a man who helped rig an election. We know that that still exists. You know that still exists. I went to go vote. I didn't get to turn mine in. The man in front of me couldn't turn his in. The man behind me couldn't turn theirs in. And guess what? I checked on my vote. It never went through. You have heard from many people, people in charge of the election. We are coming to you asking you to dig deep in your heart and not be condemned to hell one day. And why am I saying that? Because I'm a party person? I don't have a party. I'm an independent. I'm the outcast. But you know what? I'm standing here for the Constitution of the United States. And you guys are who we're looking to. Sheriff's Department, you know why I praise you? Because you don't stand up under these people. You stand up under the Constitution of the United States of America. And without us standing up under that, we have nothing. Nothing. They've already taken people's countries away. Venezuela, Dominion machine. You guys know they're dangerous. You know they're corrupt. Please dig deep in your Thank heart. Thank you, Ms. Shepard. Your time is up. Next. Now, I don't know if you caught that at the end from the peanut gallery, someone yelling out to Bill Gates, your time should be up. Gotta love that. What she just played there has been around for a long time. That's not new testimony. This is the situation as it exists and as it has existed for years, decades even at this point. And everyone on the board of supervisors knows it. That's the thing that normies simply don't understand. They think that everybody is just trying to do a good job. Oh, these are all faithful public servants. No, they're not. They're installed illegitimately in their offices. They follow orders. They do what they are told to do, and they take an easy paycheck for it. 
Maybe in some sense, they're activists and they think that this is in a deranged way, their moral duty to steal elections and defraud the country. But for the most part, they're just corrupt and they're just compromised. David Clements, who had the show, The Professor's Record, he's done a lot of election integrity work over the last couple of years. He spoke today and pointed out how Clint Hickman's chicken farm was burned down last year at the beginning of the Maricopa County forensic audit. It's good that this is being brought right to these people's faces. And it's a sign of where we are in this progress. A couple of years ago, it was people figuring out how the system works. Now it's people knowing how the system works and figuring out how to apply pressure on the people, the actors actually involved in perpetrating these crimes against the country. There's no hiding anymore for these people. Clint Hickman just sits off there to the side. It's like he doesn't exist in these meetings at all. And he got called out for his corruption, his compromise. That's what we're faced with. But we also know the truth and we can spread the truth because the truth is behind us. And we do know it. we've actually studied it. We know how the elections work. We know the covid stuff. We know the insurrection stuff. We can blow these narratives apart in no time as long as free speech exists. The truth is going to win out. It spreads wider. It spreads faster because it connects to people in a different way. They don't have to try to remember a convoluted and complicated explanation for how something that is obviously impossible happened anyway, like Joe Biden getting 81 million real legal American votes, something that could absolutely never happen. And that's what we're on the verge of. That's why this is all so exciting and why people like Taylor Lorenz and online trust and safety experts are so horrified. At this point, I will actually be surprised if the timing of this amnesty and the dropping of Twitter from the app stores is not almost completely aligned. I imagine it'll happen that the amnesty itself triggers the removal from the app stores or there's some signal that the amnesty is about to happen and the app stores remove Twitter preemptively so that all of these banned people can't get the app back on their phones. And we'll just have to see it play out. But the important thing is, regardless of the app store status, if Apple and Google want to expose themselves as the evil and malicious companies that they are, that we always pretend they're not, then go ahead and do it. And we're still going to win anyway, because free speech is what conquers all of it. Either way, the cavalry is coming, and in the end, we win. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic, and Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com 
And you can find everything else by heading to Linktree, linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm Your Moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'mYourModerator.substack.com. The merch site is CancelCouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!